Hey guys, I just wanted to make this very quick video before our podcast. Uh, we actually filmed it earlier today. So what you're about to see in the podcast, we filmed earlier today, but unfortunately we had a bit of a mistake is <laughs> regarding the audio. The way that our mixer works, it goes through a couple of adapters and then through the camera. And uh, we have our headphones plugged right uh, directly into the mixer. And um, there's a unfortunately a lot of hiss and a lot of buzz throughout the podcast that you're going to hear and we didn't hear that while filming because we get the audio straight from the mixer uh, the problem actually happened in the adapter part of the wire that goes from the mixer to the camera and unfortunately I didn't know about it until after the entire hour and 15 minute podcast was completed and um, yeah it's it's not terrible it's definitely noticeable and it's definitely annoying so it if you want to watch the podcast, uh, I, I do apologize, but if you don't want to watch it, or if you, if you try and watch it and you just can't because the, the buzz and the, and the hum is just too annoying, I, I'm, I completely understand and I apologize. Um, but we fixed the problem and uh, we're going to get some new wires and stuff, so it won't happen again in the future. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate your patience and, and um, thanks for watching. I hope you're having a good day and we'll see you in the next podcast or video with good audio. Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is podcast number 72. We're coming at you on April 21st, 2019 on a Sunday. Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. My name's Neil. I'm joined here with Brent. Hello. Um, happy Easter or yep. if you don't celebrate that. Joyeuse Pâques for our French-speaking viewers. Whatever he said. Yeah. Happy Easter. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice that the jerseys behind us are in completely random order. There are certain teams that, like the Islanders, that have eliminated the penguins that maybe should be up there, but they're not. They're just, we just literally put them up in random order. People always comment and ask, or not always, but often. Last podcast because they were up there. Random people were upset because there wasn't a Toronto jersey up oh, there. Oh no, yeah, I know. And look what it did. It ruined their chances. I for know. The playoffs. God forbid. The poor Leafs that just because of us, they're now going to lose. Oh no, hold it. They're up three two over the Bruins <laughs> and could close it out today. As we're filming this, yeah, <laughs> things could change. Yeah. So probably whether the jersey's on the wall back there or not doesn't affect the rotation of the earth, right? I agree. Anyway, anyway. Uh, I made sure that there was a Toronto jersey up there this time. Good man. But, uh, we, I mean, generally, if we didn't do the recap videos on some of the Illumination series, mm -hmm. we'd have a lot to talk about in this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, but all kinds. Since we we did those <laughs> recap videos, uh, that eliminates probably about 50 minutes of conversation. It does. However, just uh, as I bring up from time to time, there are consumers of this media today that do not watch the show or the channel on YouTube. So yeah, they may true. be denied our wisdom. So I guess I'm not saying we need to take 50 minutes and talk about them, but we shouldn't just automatically decide we can't talk about them because we really can. We can talk about them, but I prefer to... to steer those people towards the YouTube channel to watch those videos. Fairball. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Head uh, on over. Anyway, let's talk about all the series real quick. Sure. Um, so the Columbus-Tampa Bay series, which is over, we've done a video recap on that series. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to say other than I'm excited for Columbus in round two. Yeah, yeah, waiting, awaiting the winner of Boston-Toronto. The next series is going to be fantastic. On one hand, Boston or Toronto might be saying, hey, they knocked off Tampa. That's great. And then the reality will set in, hey, these guys knocked off Tampa. Yeah, and Maybe that's good. not great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Columbus has been playing great hockey. So and whoever meets them. Like, 
that's a lot of rest for Columbus. I think it's over a week. Yeah, that they're gonna. It have. will be. It's gonna like be like nine days. Rest is good. Too much rest, not so good. Yeah. So there's there's a happy medium. I don't know when uh, Torts expects to get them out and bag skating them, and, you know, getting them back into game shape here. But uh, they can't sit back too many days mm-hmm. and eat cheesies. Exactly. And on the other hand, if Boston wins today, and this other in this Toronto Boston series goes seven games. That's going to be a tired team, whoever comes out of that series, playing oh, a yeah. very well-rested team. So, oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be an interesting round, too, for sure. Very indeed. The Islanders in Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. that's over. We made a video recap as well. One thing I didn't mention in the video is um, the play of Jordan Eberle. I, oh, re- yeah. I, feel, I feel like this series, and maybe this year, right. has really jump-started his career again. Uh, and that makes me pretty happy because uh, I, I do like Jordan Eberle as a person. Never did so much as a player. Now I'm starting to now that he's actually living up to his potential. Because before he entered the NHL, when he was playing for the Canada team at the Canada Juniors or whatever, or the mm-hmm. Worlds, uh, he was fantastic. Yeah. Like his, his bar was very high, and he never really lived up to it. And, but he always had the potential, and you could see it. He just was a bit inconsistent, and I feel like this year he found his consistency. Uh, and this series, he was fantastic. So I'm hoping we see that in round two as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anything to add from... No, not really. Uh, we we did a good. I thought we did a very good job. I think the viewers thought so too, or at least ten thousand of them did, or however many views <laughs> it got. Holy smokes, that was a lot of views. A lot of views. So I think we said it well. Uh, Excellent. I'm 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 thrilled. The only thing I, that may have been more recently breaking news. I don't know if they've made any progress whatsoever on the venue issue. I hear some Islanders fans saying it's 100 percent going to be in Barclays, and I have I hear other fans saying that it's in the process of moving to Nassau. So I don't know who to believe or who to trust. I'm not from there. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't even know if it's been officially been announced yet, but anyway. Well, let's just hope that if they haven't decided yet, they'll decide right and keep it out in Uniondale. Boom. That's where it's got to be. It's got to be out there. I love it. I agree. Uh, Toronto-Boston, uh, 3-2 currently for uh, Toronto in that series. Uh, game six is today. Any predictions that you'd like to make or anything that you'd like to say about this upcoming game? I predicted Boston would win the series in seven games. Last game, you and I watched it together, and it was it was the 2-2 tied game. It was back in Boston for the, the extra home ice game that Boston gets. And I remember saying to you early in the game, whoever wins this game wins the series. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in game six, but whoever wins game five is going to win the series. Toronto won game five. And now they're back in Toronto. You've got a Toronto team that's more or less healthy, more or less confident, still has its risks, especially at the blue line. But I think they're in Boston's heads a little bit because they just beat Boston now twice at home. And I actually think Toronto's going to close it out. I'm today. I'm. I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx yeah. it, but I think it actually might happen. I think it might happen. Oh, I, although, with that said, I kind of hope it that it doesn't happen because I think a Toronto-Boston series should go seven games. It would be. It's deserving of a seventh game. As a, a hockey viewer, uh, yeah. we want to see that seventh game, and I hope that seventh game goes to overtime as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Boston, and that, like in that last game that we watched, the urgency just was not there for Boston. They just didn't want it bad enough, I felt. 
Uh, they didn't have a lot of chances on Anderson, and the chances that they did they did have, Anderson looked absolutely fantastic. Um, the goaltender interference call is something that we have not discussed on camera. And we have to. What are your thoughts on that first Toronto goal? Or second, first? Um, I don't remember which one it was. No, I'm, there have been so many goaltender interference calls or non-calls in the last few days. You might need to refresh my memory on this one. It's the one where, who was it? I think it was Hyman. Hyman. Cross-checked yeah. uh, the defenseman in front of him, which pushed him back into Duke Rask, and um, the puck went over to Matthews on the other side, and Matthews scored. Yeah. I, that's the note I had, but I wasn't sure if my note was from Wednesday night or from <laughs> Friday night. Okay, so I, it, this is different. I, I don't know about that exact play, but we have, I think we're not too far off in the consistency meter just yet, but we were close last night. There was a long, long wait on goaltender interference as to what constitutes bringing, bringing it back or not. Um, and we'll talk about that when we talk about last night's game a little more. But on the Hyman play, basing it on history, going back a few years, I would say that might be goaltender interference. Absolutely. But. A hundred percent. But now the way they're, they're calling it, I don't know anymore. I, I, I don't know. I Uh, think that was the wrong call. I do. I think that was the wrong call. I think that was the wrong call based on how they're calling it now. I, just, mm, I think, yeah. okay, like, you almost can't compare two years ago to now. For You can't even compare last year to goaltender interference calls to now. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, two years ago, Carey Price was literally drug out of the net. He was drug out of the zip code. He, he, was, he was so far removed from the net that on the top-down view of the net, he wasn't in frame. <laughs> and that was called a good goal. And then we had, I think it was a, a goal earlier this year, I think maybe on Tuka Rask, or it was either it was Toronto or Boston, one of them. And uh, it was called like the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to be called. So although I think we're getting more consistent, I, there's still a problem. There's still a problem. There's still a problem with goaltender interference. I just don't, it seems, it seems really frustrating uh, as, a, as a fan because you don't know what they're going to, you don't, like, usually or hopefully, when you see a play, if you know the rule, then you should, you should feel pretty confident about your decision on what they're going to come back with at center ice mm-hmm. with a call. And that's unfortunately not the case. Um, Austin Matthews is pretty happy that that goal counted. He was on the bench with his head down praying that it was going to count. Um, so I I, I... I was surprised that it counted. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen Toronto goals called back that should have been goals. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm not that upset with this one. I feel like they got a bit of karma back in a positive way. Could be. Everything, you know, sometimes you get bad calls in games, and then in other games you get all the calls, kind of like one of those things. So uh, although I disagree with the call, I I don't feel bad for Boston because I think Toronto kind of deserved it in a little way. Well, luckily, and someone said this after the game was over, there were two other goals scored in that game. Boston got another one. Toronto got another one. So it sort of sanded off that that glaring controversy a little bit. Yes. Because there was other scoring that finally took hold. Although that still would have been the difference in the game, that, that controversial goal. But 
I was, and I remember asking you afterwards, because I don't watch Twitter as closely as you do, but sometimes the referees will even announce to the fans when they're making a call that Toronto was on the phone or that Toronto was called. Or, and I, I saw one, I think it was a year or two ago, where the referee says, based on the conversation with Toronto, yes. the call is overturned, the call on the ice is overturned, and we have a goal or whatever it was. So and the ref didn't agree with it. Yeah, clearly yeah. in that instance did not agree with it. So I was wondering, you got the fan base sitting there in, in the garden, and uh, you've got 18,000 people, probably 17,000 of whom are wearing the, uh, mm-hmm. the black, golden black, the golden black, and they see this game hanging in the balance, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are the opponent, and the referees are on the phone with Toronto. <laughs> I know it's not rigged that yeah. way. It's not like all the people in the war room in Toronto are Maple Leafs fans. Yeah, they're not. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But there's this, there's an old saying, justice must not only be done, it must be seen to be done. Mm-hmm. Right? So I just I don't know if it's, Toronto's a good place to have that war room in a game like that. But it didn't it? become an issue. Where would you have it? I'd have it in a place that doesn't have an NHL city. Like Kansas City or... Yeah. based on the war room in Kansas City. No, that's obviously stupid, but uh, it's got to be somewhere. But it's it's odd that the NHL headquarters office is in New York. I agree with that. But the operation stuff is in Toronto. What's going on there? I think because most of the hockey media is in Toronto. It could be, but maybe it should be where NHL head offices are located in New York. Then at least you could blame them as being fans for one of three different teams. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's tr- That's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's. I, I'm okay with it being in Toronto. I don't think that there's ever been any bias or. I don't think so either. There, there's like been that. stupidity. There's, there's been, been stupidity. inconsistency. Yes. Well, it, what has to happen is someone raised this probably a couple of years ago when this was last a thing. The person who's making the decisions at the beginning of the playoffs has to be the person who makes those same decisions for every single game all the way through. I agree. They can't have different shifts. Because it, when they do, they have different ways of interpreting it. And you can have the exact same play called two different ways mm-hmm. by two different officials who you never know who they are. Yep, I agree. And I don't know if that's really fair. And I still, like, not to toot my own horn, but I think it's one of the best ideas I've ever had. And I've had a lot of terrible ideas, but this one's a good one. And I'm sticking with it. They should have a fifth official in the in between the benches, or not in between the penalty boxes mm-hmm. where the timekeeper is and stuff. Surrounded by 84 screens or whatever he needs to see, and he should have authority to make the call based on what he sees. Don't give the little iPad to the other to the on ice officials so they can look at their little screens or whatever. Have this guy, who is an actual official, like this is an official that actually referees games as well. Mm-hmm. Like on Thursday night, he's in Colorado refing a game on the ice, and on Friday he's in Columbus in between the bench, looking at screens. That needs to happen. Do it. I'll NHL try. Board of Governors care of and how like how e- how difficult would that be? Not I don't think it would be that difficult. No, no, it wouldn't be. They'd have to amend the rule book a bit, and whenever they amend the rule book, they usually get the NHLPA involved. I don't know why, but they seem to. The NHLPA seems to have a lot of say over the league rules. Mm-hmm. But sure, go ahead and do that. I think the players would want more fairness too. The coaches certainly would. I think they would go for that, and I think it would add a different perspective to the officials as well. Like, it was mandatory that they had to referee on ice and off ice for games. Like, ha- having them sit there off ice and af- actually be able to watch the game from a static angle and see maybe maybe 
something that the on ice official didn't see, and they get to see all the all the screens and everything. Like that's, I mm-hmm. think that's really beneficial to their on ice officiating once they get back on the ice the next time. It could be. However, I'd like you to deal with a question I have about that because Ron McLean, I think, has raised it a couple of times. If the on ice officials know that there's a backstop, that there's somebody with all those screens that will get it right for sure, there's less of an obligation for them to get it right on the ice. And, and they'll defer, they'll not make a call or they'll make a, a cheesy call knowing that it doesn't matter because it's going to get fixed. What do you think about how that might diminish the authority or the accuracy of on-ice officiating? I, I disagree with that. Why would the on, on, an on-ice official be less accurate or less caring when they could look embarrassed if they get it wrong? If anything, they're going to want to try harder, I think, so that they are proved right by the video and by this fifth official. And that is a fair response. Thank you. Well done. But I think it's a question that had to be asked. No, no. Ron it, keeps asking. No, it's a good question. It, it is a good question. Yeah. But I think the, the fact that you have the fail-safe there is important. I think... I, In this day and age, when we have so much technology and we have the, the technical capability of getting these things exactly right, and whether that means a chip inside the puck to see if it went across the goal line or not, or things like that that are still in development. If we have that technology, why in heck are we not using it? Yes. Why do we have a human being who is automatically flawed from the time they're born? Mm-hmm. Uh, in baseball, we've seen this now all the time. That I wouldn't want to be a, an umpire in baseball heck calling no. balls and strikes when I know that all the viewers at home have this imaginary box in front of them (laughs) that they can see if I'm right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, one thing I am gratified by, when when I do watch the odd ball game with that visual feature, the umpires usually get it right. They do. It's impressive. They do an amazing job considering how the catcher can cheat a little bit and all that. But uh, still, I wouldn't want... It's bad enough to have 70,000 people in the stands second-guessing every pitch Mm -hmm. and and second-guessing my call. Then you've got six or ten million people at home doing it, too, and TV evidence to back them up. I wouldn't want that. And I wouldn't want to be an NHL <laughs> official either. I mean, it's the fastest game in the world, yep. other than racing. But it's well, uh, it's amazing how accurate NHL officials are. Mm-hmm. I'd say they're right about 95% of the time, and that 5% is usually to do with penalties, getting them wrong. But yeah. as far as calling the goal correctly on the ice when that happens, they're pretty dang accurate. I mean... It's impressive. This like even offsides. Like we'll see an offside get called, and we're like, "There's no way that's no way. offside. That's we'll, not offside." We rewind. We watch it again. And <laughs> it's it, offside. It was offside. <laughs> Talk about a letdown. But it does. You're correct. It confirms that for the basic yes and no calls, the officials do an amazing job. They're very good at it. These guys are professionals. They're yep. making six figure incomes probably, and they're they don't get there if they're visually impaired exactly so good for them and uh even as i said i think last week's podcast where after brindamore got all heated up uh with the the officiating in the game last weekend even he admitted that the referees have a very gigantic task in front of them and Mm -hmm. and it's uh remarkable and that there really that there are people out there to do that and he had to watch a replay many times himself before he could decide whether he would have called it. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, good for them. But, again, we have the technology. Let's use it to help humans and mm-hmm. help 
uh, inject more fairness into a game that is usually very fair to start with. The one thing it will do, though, because right now, referees have an out. If, if they make a call, a penalty call, and they realize on reflection, too late, mm-hmm. that the player high-sticked himself, or it was a teammate's stick and not an opposing player's stick, they have a way of evening that out. They have a way of delivering a little karma on the ice by being a little extra careful about making sure the other team doesn't get away with anything. And we see that often, actually. And that's a way that officials can help to manage the game and still have it come out at the end of 60 minutes as a more or less fair game. You might remove a bit of that ability if you... Well, I think that's I think that's fine. If he calls the penalty for high sticking, and if it's not an actual high stick, if it was his own stick that hits him in the face or whatever, and he sees that on the replay or whatever, he should have the ability to say no penalty. If the replays include that function, I'm, and I'm, I think and I'm I think they should. That fifth <clears throat> official yeah, should I'm, look at that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because then then there's no trying to make up a make up a penalty because in the, there was a game was it last weekend or a couple of days I don't remember, but there was a penalty late in the game I think against. Washington or Carolina and they said oh no it was San Jose and Vegas I think and the uh, commentators in the in, in between periods said this team is going to get a power play at the beginning of this game because they're they're owed one <laughs> and they did they, they got the first power play in that period there you go <laughs> so it, it happens so I think that official that fifth official with all the technology should be the heavy hand decision maker on goals <clears throat> On penalties, on everything, because he has access. He would hypothetically have access to what is needed. Mm-hmm. Because on that goaltender interference call in the Toronto-Boston game the other day, did the referees on the ice make the decision with the little iPads and stuff, or did Toronto make the decision? Does Toronto have the ultimate say all the time? Well, to uh, me, the, to me, it <clears throat> seems like they do. Because in your scenario that you said earlier which I remember seeing, mm-hmm. Toronto has determined that... I think it depends on the circumstance and the kind of call it is. If it's a judgment call made by the ref, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as to a player's intent or something like that, and he's seeing it on the ice, Toronto has, a, I think, a tough ho- road to hoe to try to interfere with that. But if it's a straight question, did the puck cross the line or not, and the referee called no goal, waved it off, and Toronto clearly sees that the puck did get across... Mm-hmm then they still have the conversation because the referee might say, well, I hadn't quite got the air out of my mouth when I was blowing the whistle, but I was blowing that play dead. Mm -hmm. Or in my view, the net was unsafe or or whatever. There's things in a referee's head when he's blowing the whistle that Toronto can't know. So there's still a conversation. But if it's a straight, did the puck go across yes or no, or even the offside, notice when it's an offside question, it's the two linesmen that go up. And look at the the little iPad, mm-hmm. not the refs. And then the linesmen go to the ref and say what well, what they determined, and then the ref makes the announcement. Um, so I don't think it's always Toronto. One of the commentators, I don't know if it was Doug McLean or somebody, uh, a few days ago, explained what really happens on these phone calls to Toronto. And Toronto really a does not want to overrule the call on the ice. There's a bias against doing that if mm-hmm. they can avoid it. Only will they overrule if it's an absolute must-see because everyone already knows it, except the two, the two guys in the stripes. So I don't think it's always a straight Toronto call, but 
sometimes if it's a quick binary decision, yes, it would be. Because mm, I've seen them, I've seen them look at their little iPads and stuff and not have a headset on, and then the referees just talk back and forth without that call. So it's interesting to know that sometimes Toronto's involved and sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying it's a bad or a good thing. It's just interesting. But yeah. Anyways. Um, just back to the Leafs, before we leave Leafs and Bruins, because I know the game's coming up, actually, within minutes of us uh, filming this, and you need some time to compile the podcast and upload it. So by the time it hits online, the game will be either underway or perhaps even over. It'll be over. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, I have to say, and I've not been uh, overly complimentary of, of the Toronto media generally, but on Wednesday night, I was over to New Brunswick across the uh, Northumberland Strait for a family event. And it was gone all day, but I was coming back in the evening. And it was around 8, 8.30 in the evening, and I was almost home. But I wasn't going to get home in time to see the beginning of the game. So using my mobile phone, I found the game broadcast on a mobile app on my Android, fed that through Bluetooth into my car radio, and I listened as if I was driving downtown in Toronto on AM 680 or 680 News. And what are you laughing at? What are you smiling? You said on my Android. That's, that's such an old person thing to say. <laughs> Continue. Just Maybe had, I shouldn't. Just had to burn you. Yeah, okay. Well, it's a little odd in here. Anyway, I heard Joe Bowen was doing the, the broadcast. He's the Leafs. He's the Mackinac guy. He's the holy Mackinac guy. And there aren't too many phrases in professional sports that I hate more than holy Mackinac. Mm-hmm. And I just can't, I just can't stand it. It's so... I agree. Oh, it's just awful. However, that said, during the time I was listening to that broadcast, maybe the first, most of the first period, actually, he never said it once. Frankly, Toronto didn't have given reason to say it, for one thing. But I was just able to sit back and enjoy the play-by-play. He's very good. Oh, he is, yeah. He's a very good broadcaster. He's He, he gives a really nice mental picture of what's going on in the ice because I'm bombing across the Confederation Bridge and one ear is on the, you know, one eye is on the bridge and the other is on, anyway, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And uh, he was able to paint a picture in my head of what was going on in the game very well. And the color guy was pretty good too. I forget his name. But uh, Joe Bowen is really good. There are some really, really good radio commentators. Um, John Bartlett used to do the mm-hmm. uh, play-by-play for a CJAD, I think, in Montreal. Yeah. And he was so good that he was hired by Sportsnet yeah. to do to do the commentary um, uh, during uh, CBC games or t- yeah. uh, Sportsnet games. Sportsnet games, Montreal games. And, and now? Now he's Doing off. Toronto local games. Yes, he's doing Toronto stuff now. Yeah. But, of course, in the playoffs, I think they've got him deployed out somewhere else. But, yeah. But he's the Toronto regional broadcast guy. And, and he's very good. And he's not the first example of someone coming from radio to video. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, there are definitely some, uh, there's definitely a lot of talent on the radio side of things. There is. Some of us uh, that were on the radio in the past, we just could not make the transition to video due to facial problems. <laughs> was that your problem? Yeah, that was my problem. <laughs> it was a facial problem. I had a face for radio, too, so... Yeah. That was the end of that. I understand. The other thing I mentioned to you just last night when we were uh, talking, uh, Joe Bowen rolled, rolls the R in Rask when he says Tuka Rask's name. Tuka Rask. Rask. And good for him because yeah. we, we know uh, how important it is to, to pr- try to pronounce people's names right, and although we often don't succeed, we, we try to, especially for Finnish names. We talk about Armia, for instance, instead of Armia. Yes, yeah, Sportsnet. Uh, when they're calling his name, they say Joel, which is right, 
and I say Armia. Yeah. If you're going to pronounce the first name right, then at least pronounce the last name right and say Armia. Anyway. Yeah, it's hard to do. But to his credit, Joe Bowen says Rask. And uh, good for him. And he did a good job. And, and I don't think I've said anything horribly bad about him other than the Holy Mackinac thing. So I don't think I have to walk And back now it's in a commercial. Oh, is it really? It's, yes, it's in that uh, Austin Matthews. Oh, there's man. A, there's a, there's, uh, there's yeah. parents on a step. And there's kids playing ball hockey. But it's being commentated by a little girl on the step and also a dubbed over of him calling an actual game or something oh, like okay. that. And then it transitions to Austin Matthews scoring a goal. And he says, holy Mackinac. And the little girl says, holy Mackinac on the step. And it's just... Oh, that's painful. Yeah, it is. I just... I don't I don't like that saying. So I'm, yeah. w- I'm with you there. Yeah. We don't agree on everything, but we agree on that. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to say in that series? On that series, No. All right, Washington, Carolina. Uh, Washington leads 3-2. Their win yesterday, pretty big win. I actually didn't watch the majority of that game. That was the first playoff game that I did not watch the majority of. I didn't even watch a single second of the third period. I just, for, for whatever reason, I don't know, I just wasn't interested in it. I don't know if it was because it was such a blowout and Washington, Washington was just so dominant in the game that it just wasn't interesting to me. But, hmm. yeah, I just, I don't know. I I did other things. I watched quite a bit of it in the background while I had the laptop doing research for this and cruising around, and I had one eye on that. But it was not a very watchable game. It was very boring, I yeah. thought. When, when games are lopsided like that, they're, they're just, well, they're, they're, they're not fun to watch. It depends when, if it's an underdog yeah. up on a yeah. big team. It's that, a little yeah. different, I think, when Washington is that dominant over Carolina because that's almost what you expect. No offense to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so game six is Monday in Carolina. The home team has won every single game in this series. So logic dictates that Carolina should win this game. Mm-hmm. And and teams being thrumped, thrumped. I was trying to say thumped and drubbed at the same time, so I got thrumped. And you said trumped. I almost said that. Oh, God. Um, anyway, uh, teams that are getting whacked badly usually come back with a very good effort the following yep. game. So... I expect Carolina will show up. I actually, I agree. I think Carolina's going Carolina's to win this game. I think this is going to seven. I do ultimately believe that Washington will win this series, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about the Oshi thing that hit? The push. The do, push. Do you remember the play? Oh, I do. When I, if you just look at the contact, player-to-player contact, still five feet from the boards, it, to me, looked pretty non-issuey but on, on one of the replays you see that Oshi is not fully on his feet that doesn't have really good stance or balance and he's in that situation more prone to getting shot into the boards but I don't know if the player hitting him has time to make that decision I agree I think that I don't think that and it was wasn't even a hit it was more of like a, yeah, a cross-check just, push kind of thing yeah I don't think it was malicious um Probably deserving of a penalty just because of where that push happened on the ice and how close or how the distance from the from the boards. So I, I'm, I agree with the penalty, and I'm glad that it, the penalty was called. But I don't think any. I think the NHL made the right decision in not adding any dis, dis, disciplinary. Completely agree. Action on that player. Yeah. I think Oshi, for the most part, or that injury happened mostly because Oshi lost his footing, mm-hmm. and I don't. I think it was just bad luck based on the distance he was from the boards. If he had been two feet closer to the boards, I think it would have been better. Because yeah. I think he would have landed 
more upright and maybe hit his face on the glass or something versus his shoulder taking all of the impact and his whole body collapsing onto his shoulder. I don't know if they've announced his injury or not. I know. I was just about to ask you that because I, when it first happened, I thought we're looking at a fractured collarbone or something, a yeah. clavicle. But he was able to move his arm a little when he was skating back to the to go down the yeah, tunnel. I don't know. I think it might be the collarbone. Yeah. I thought it was a separated shoulder at first, but, I mean, you can come back and play after. Usually you can because when the sh- shoulder separates, the acromium and the clavicle come apart right, right, up, you. Right, up, right up here. Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> I thought you didn't have a face for TV. I, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I can play a doctor because I've always got my surgical mask on. Oh, yeah, snap. Yeah. But uh, a separated shoulder is, it's more of a long-term problem, and it takes a while to heal, yeah. but you're probably still functional. It's yeah. just hurt, just pains a lot. A dislocated shoulder, you're basically useless until they get it put back in. And then once they fine. put it back in, you're probably you're fine. You're good to go, yeah. Although, once you've dislocated it once, it becomes prone yes. to further dislocations. So, sometimes people learn how to put it back in themselves. They just... It's just, roll around on the floor and do something and pop. Yeah. <laughs> back. It's a daily thing almost. Yeah. Um, could be a rib as well. It could be. We don't know. I, and maybe yeah. they've announced it. I just haven't looked, to be honest. But um, he sent out a very nice tweet to the um, Capitals fans, uh, telling them to be loud and stuff. And the Capitals fans uh, in that game actually did some chants for him specifically. And then he thanked them on Twitter afterwards. So it's pretty cool to see. Good on the Washington Capitals fans. and. Cool. Yeah. Um, just checking with TSN and uh, Washington Capitals forward TJ Oshie underwent surgery on his fractured right clavicle and is expected to be out indefinitely. Huh. So it is a broken collarbone. Broken collarbone, yeah. Yeah. And it, it had that look. But usually a broken collarbone, if it's close enough towards your, your sternum, towards your neck, it's really no surgery required. You just you get just a sling to, yeah. and you just let it sit there until it knits and heals on its own. But in his case, maybe it was farther out, more close to the mobility side, and maybe they just had to put some pins and screws and mm. plates and stuff in there. I'm you aware. know what that's like. Though. I'm aware of that. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Um, also, we should probably mention the Pierre Maguire Pierre Maguire um, comment uh, that he uh, made during game uh, four. I think it was. Uh, I almost saved the entire game just so I could find it again. Record it on my phone and play it into the microphone here today, but then I erased it and forgot to do that. But it was just terrible. Basically, he said that the Carolina Sticks are very aware, as in they have consciousness. <laughs> They're woke. They, the Carolina Sticks are woke. Um, now, this is the same guy who brought us active sticks. Active, yeah. Now, you watch a hockey game, and... Of all the sticks that are out in the ice, and there's going to be 12 of them out there, find me one stick that's not active basically all the time. <laughs> but he talked, the only inactive stick in a hockey game is on the rack behind the player's bench. That's yeah. an inactive stick, but only for now. It's going to be active very shortly. It's going to be activated. It's going to be activated. <laughs> and he talked about active sticks. And then we were watching a game a couple of years back, and he started talking about active feet. Active feet. <laughs> now, this is a hockey game. As Neil said a minute ago, the fastest game in the world where players can get up to 40 and 45 kilometers an hour, almost 30 miles an hour, screaming down the ice. Yes, it's a game where every frigging person on that ice has active feet. Exactly. <laughs> the only time there wasn't active feet in the game we saw last night was that stupid standoff across the net where yeah. the guy was waiting for the... Petrangelo. Yeah, but it was a great play. It was. 
<laughs> but he stood there for must must have been 15 seconds. So his feet were not active at that time. So we've gone from active stick <clears throat> to active feet. And now? Now we have consciousness and sticks. They are aware. The sticks are aware. The sticks are aware. The Carolina, and specifically just the Carolina sticks the are Carolina aware. The Carolina sticks are aware. I don't know what was wrong with the Washington sticks. I'm not, I don't They're know. just dumb sticks. Yeah. But the Carolina sticks were very aware. They, they were woke to what was going on. They know what's up. They know what's up. Now, they weren't very aware yesterday. They were not, no. But the day be, or the game before, they were very aware. So something while we're on this uh, commentator stupidity, one of the things that's driving me more and more crazy as time goes on, and I get less tolerant of crazy, is talking about the hockey puck in the plural form. Now, any game I've ever watched, unless there's been some tomfoolery going on, there's only one puck mm-hmm. on the ice at any one time. And all the game is focused on the location and direction of travel of that little rubber thing. The puck. Singular. Mm-hmm. But whenever you talk to a player in an interview, or when the announcers start talking, or the coaches start talking, yeah, we have to get pucks on the net, and we have to get pucks deep, and uh, <laughs> we need better handling of the pucks. And it's like, <laughs> is, are there invisible pucks that I'm not seeing here? Because uh, it's it's just another stupid thing that's crept into people's brains, yeah. and they don't even know they're saying it. They're talking. There's never more than one puck. You need the fox. Um, puck tracker. Puck tracker, yeah. yeah. The puck streaker. It, w- it would look like a, a fireworks display. There'd be pucks, pucks everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just drives me crazy. It's, it's funny you bring that up, though, because Mulligan in, in, on Discord brought that up about players, and some commentators will say, they'll be talking about the game, and they'll be like, you know, the Gretzkys and the Bens and the Bishops, and like they'll put an, yeah. an S on yeah. the end of names yeah. <laughs> as if there's more than one Ben. Or, actually, there is more than one Ben. Well, there but, is, yeah. You know what I mean. And there's more than one Gretzky. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, really. The but yeah, the the, the the Crosbys of the game. The Crosbys and the Bellavos. <laughs> There's only one Crosby. Yeah. But I don't know. I think what's happening and what's probably happened forever, but there's just more media. I think sportscasters watch each other too much. I agree. And I think they so get too. bad habits. Yep. Because now everyone says half boards. And we've we've we don't have to talk about that anymore. It's just a term that's crept up mm-hmm. in the last 10 years and now everyone says it. Yeah. Or the half wall. The half wall. Yeah. It's and there's all kinds of them. Anyways. Yeah. Um, Sad. Calgary, Colorado. That series is over. We've made a recap video. Um, I don't... That's, we just filmed that like yesterday, I think, so I I don't have anything new to say on that specific series. No. I thought Smith was good. I thought he was all right. I mean, I, looking at the series, I would say... And look, looking at Calgary specifically, I'm thinking... There's two players that I can see not showing up for this series. One is James Neal, and one is Mike Smith. If they lose the series, it's probably because of one of those two. That's not the case. Mike Smith is one of the only Calgary Flames to show up. Mm-hmm. He had look at go on on NHL stats and look at how many shots that he's faced in those uh, five games, and compare it to some of these other series that are now at six games, going into seven games. Some of these goalies, the shot total, the shots that that. Uh, Smith has faced is I think close to 200 or more at this point. Wow! And it's like holy crap. I mean, he he let in some soft goals. I'm not saying that he didn't, but I'm just saying he didn't get much help. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I wouldn't blame Smith for this loss. And I said that in the video. But. I noticed for the first time because I'm I'm rarely watching Calgary, so I don't know if this is the song they always play. 
at the beginning of the game when they're getting ready for the opening faceoff. But uh, one or two games ago, it was a home game, Calgary home game, so maybe three or four days ago. They were playing Hell's Bells by ACDC, and it was amazing. Like, and we've had the conversation. There are songs that they play in NHL arenas that I just can't stand. You'd hate Ozzy Osbourne. I hate Crazy Train in particular, but Ozzy Osbourne generally. His voice is too high. The music they play, it may be interesting to listen to when you're blasting down the highway or you're sitting on the beach or you're having, <laughs> some, Ozzy at the beach. having some pops with your, with your homies or whatever. But in, a, in an arena, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the fans in it. You're trying to get them clapping their hands. So that's why Salt and Peppa and Insane and the Membrane and, and mm-hmm. all this stuff, it's, it's way better to get the fans energized. When you're just blasting so, cr- crap at them. So you do or don't like Hell's Bells? I love it. But that doesn't get the crowd into it. That's what? Not, that's not one of these but songs. It's got, no, it's got that, like the fans can... And I'm you're, doing it poorly here. You're but. speaking from experience because you used to actually do this in hockey games mm. and do, be the music guy. Mm. Do you remember playing Crazy Train? No. I do. You remember me playing Crazy Train? Yeah. And I remember me... I want video proof. I remember me forcing you to play our intro. So like, I, I chose the music and it's not music you liked. It was, I think, Seek and Destroy by Metallica or something like that. or Which is actually a pretty good intro song, but... Anyway, uh, well, <clears throat> when I played music, I want I I wanted to play the odd thing that nobody ever heard of, and I did that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that people looked at me and went, "What is that crap <laughs> that he's playing?" I did some stuff by Arrested Development. I don't even like the show. No, no, the group. Tennessee. Never heard of it. Now I didn't play Tennessee, but I played a few things. Um, inflatable people never heard inflatable people is one of the fantastic songs you can play in a hockey rink do they sing it to the tone of beautiful people by um what's his face (laughs) no some manson whatever his name is i have no idea charles manson no not charles (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's a creepy dude he's he paints his skin white and he's got long black hair and he's marilyn manson marilyn manson oh okay no i don't know that's a great song is it You've never you've never heard beautiful people? No. Well, if I have, I haven't paid attention. Oh man! But in, I beg you, all the listeners, just find inflatable people by Arrested Development. Okay. And just picture all the players skating out onto the ice. I'm writing this down. You, you write that down. And. I've actually played this. You've heard me play to hockey games, although I probably didn't know what it was. And as you skate out, it starts off with just a lot of uh, horns and brass, and then it gets this beat that gets going, and it's fantastic. Okay. All right. You know a song that I'd like to see more in hockey games? What's that? Spirit in the Sky. Green Bombs version? Yeah. Okay, Why? Because that song's freaking amazing. Well, it's a, it's an amazing song. I like the song, but I'm trying to picture it in a hockey arena. I'm having trouble. I don't care. It doesn't have to be hockey specific. I just want to hear it loud and in an arena. <laughs> it's a good song. Um, 1969, I think. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's about that. About that time. Late 60s. Anything by ACDC is great. I disagree. I don't like ACDC. Overplayed. Does not excite me. Wow. 
I love Led Zeppelin, but I don't like the immigrant song in a hockey game. I do. Clearly, you're wrong on so many things today. <laughs> oh, dang. Boom. All right. Um, I don't have anything else to say for that series, to be honest. No, I don't either. We, we just talked about it, so. We did. Uh, it was it was an underwhelming series overall. I'm just so crazily impressed with uh, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Cog, that, that whole big line, and the new kid, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. I agree. I'm worried that he won't be there for the whole run, though. I, Not that he doesn't deserve to be, but I'm worried that he's going to get in trouble. He's going to do something irresponsible. and not. I don't. He's not an irresponsible player. He's proved that he's not, but mm. things can happen, and things can be blamed on him. Be, if he makes a mistake, it's going to be, oh, it's because he's inexperienced. Whereas a veteran, if he makes a mistake, it's... Yeah, made a mistake. And I'm worried that that label on him may limit his ice time in the future if he does make a mistake or makes him a healthy scratch. Did you see the discussion that uh, Ron McLean contributed to on Grubauer, Grubauer during that goalie interference review? Negative. Ron made the case for Grubauer taking a dive. And... Once he said it, and they showed the replay a couple of times, I think I'm there. I don't remember the play. I think I'm there. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but uh, it was one where he he overreacted. And, and I'm trying to remember the exact player, who the player was. But they showed a few replays of it from different angles. And it certainly looked to me, once I was done in my own brain analyzing it, because I usually don't agree with what Ron says, so I'm usually at a... Um, I'm at the opposite position at the mm. beginning of, of anything Ron says. But he had me won over because Grubauer reacted physically in a way that was excessive compared to what the contact would have I'll been. I'll have to go rewatch the play. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of goaltender stuff, the St. Louis-Winnipeg game, uh, or series, I mean, it's over now. Yeah. Uh, we have the video recap coming uh, soon, probably tomorrow or the next day, likely tomorrow. Um. Goaltender questionable calls, I think, two games in a row. Mm-hmm. The first game we had Bufflin drove Sunquist into the net, I believe, and the net went off the moorings, but they scored a goal at the same time, and it counted, and it was, I mean, it took like five or six minutes for them to make the decision. Yeah. That was a interesting situation. You don't often see that, how that specific net coming off when the puck goes over. I think it's a fairly new thing, too, where they've, they're saying, hey, yep. even if the net's physically not there anymore... If the net was there and the puck crossing at that time, all other things being okay, mm. we're going to count it now. If the net is removed by the defensive player, right, that's a pretty big factor. And yeah. they de- determined that it, even though physically it was taken off the net by the offensive player, it happened because the defensive player forced the offensive player into the net. Mm-hmm. I agree with the call. I agree that it should have been a good goal, and I'm glad that it was called a good goal. Yeah, I like the call too. And, and that's not a biased opinion because I was cheering for St. Louis. I just think it was the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, in their most recent game, wow. we saw Dustin Bufflin back up into his own goalie uh, like 17 seconds into the game or whatever the hell it was. Um, and Jaden Schwartz got that goal, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's one of the first first of those hat tricks. Set goals. the tone for the game. Really did. And but there was a there was a goaltender interference challenge by the by Paul Maurice. Right. And I agree with the call that it was a good goal. 
because it was Bufflin that really gave him the majority of the contact there. Mm-hmm. And that was his own fault. And so, and I don't think, even though Hellebuck did get a little bit of um, t- a touch from, I, th- I can't remember the, who the other player was, um, it wasn't enough to take him off his position on the opposite side because the contact that happened was on the opposite side, but the puck was on the other side. Right. That doesn't really make sense, but you understand. I do. Uh, Hopefully they do. <laughs> Hopefully they've seen the play. <laughs> if you didn't see the play, then you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but but I think it was, it was the right call. Again, unfortunately for Winnipeg's um, sake. And then they they ended up having wasting that that challenge, and they don't have a, a timeout. So th- there was another potential goaltender interference play or goal later in the game. I think it was in the second period. But Winnipeg couldn't challenge it. They couldn't. What would you think about this? If uh, if you're Paul Maurice and you make a challenge 20 seconds into the game and the challenge goes against you, right now you automatically lose your timeout and you can't challenge anything else in the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. In exchange for a two-minute penalty on you, would you take that deal? So you, so the coach has the decision to, to forfeit his timeout and future challenges for a penalty. Right. I agree. I, I, I like that decision. I, 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 I would, would probably choose the penalty. I would choose the penalty because then you're, you are, there's a, if there's a penalty or some kind of penalty involved, right now the penalty is the loss of your timeout and the inability to make further challenges. So that is a penalty of a kind. But if you can choose and exchange that penalty for the other penalty, then you preserve your right because you can probably rationalize in your head that there's a way to kill this two-minute penalty off. And, but it's also a risky play because if you are if you choose the penalty, like if the call goes back on you, then obviously you have the decision And you're two to goals make. down. And then if you choose the penalty and then they score again on the power play, then you're really going to look like an idiot because you just gave up yeah. two goals. Because later on, that other interference one, it was blatant gold interference that time. If you look straight down where Maroon has Hellebuck's glove basically held onto for three or four seconds. I, I, I think they would have a case for goaltender interference there. They, I think they would. Not based on the Toronto-Boston game, but based on what, yeah. everything else we've seen this year. So and, and that was when the game was close. I think that was the second goal. It was the second goal. Schwartz's second goal. In the second goal. period. And had that been overturned, it still would have been just a one nothing game, and Winnipeg would have had some mo. But as it turned out, they couldn't challenge that one. Now it's 2 nothing, and the air starts to come out of things, right? 3 nothing. Da, da, da. Yeah, but uh, believe it or not, Winnipeg almost came back in that game late. They scored two goals in the last few minutes. They had, they had to kill off a four-minute um, penalty with two minutes and 30 seconds left, so they were going to be a man short the rest of the game. Yeah. They pulled their goalie to make it even, scored a goal, mm-hmm. and almost scored another one to tie the game. Super impressive, Yeah. but it didn't happen. Did a great job. But Maurice's hands were tied. He had to make that decision, and he knew the consequences of making that early challenge. Yeah, and he thought it was a good gamble to make, and I can't second guess that. He's a way better coach than I would ever hope to be. So I, I would say, okay, just sometimes things don't go your way, mm-hmm. and that that's the end of that, because uh, he's an incredible coach, and it was a very strategic decision. If he had got that goal overturned at that time, it would have been an entirely different game too, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's that early in the game, you can't almost like you, you almost can't 
hold on to that challenge. You kind of have to use it because it's so early. You can't afford to lose the, the yeah. momentum. So I, I'm, I can see both sides of using that challenge that early. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll save our rest of the conversation for that series in, the, in our recap video coming soon. Uh, Nashville, Dallas. Uh, Dallas is up 3-2 with a pretty impressive win uh, yesterday against against Nashville. Game 6 is tomorrow, Monday. Um, the Ben Sagan Radulov line is they're calling the, now the Legion of Doom. Yeah, and really? I mean, why wouldn't you? If you watched the game yesterday and got to see got to see them play, it was I think Fan beauty. fantastic. It was amazing. Fantastic. The 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 passing plays one two three just tic tac toe and sometimes a fourth guy in on that too. This is incredible. Yeah, the confidence and Dallas is getting secondary scoring as well. Yeah, something that they were going to need to win the series and they're getting it. So uh, it's pretty cool seeing some 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 players in this. Um, Lineup that you don't like names that you don't really hear of like that Rope Hins guy. What a freaking pro name that is! <laughs> and Dickinson and like, yeah, Dickinson. He was he was incredible. Yeah, like there's a lot of players on on Dallas that uh, are really contributing, and that's that's pretty great to see. So I'm excited. Yeah, and and Zuccarello's back, and and I noticed in the game he's more physical now too. I I think maybe the first few games back after the arm break, just after the trading deadline, might have been protecting things a little bit, but uh, he's banging around. So did he break his arm? Yeah, just after. I don't remember. I don't remember the injury. Like I, I remember watching it and seeing it, but I don't remember following yeah. the follow up. It turned out being a broken one of the bones, and I think his lower arm was Dang. broken. Yeah, so he was out for whatever it was, yeah, five, it was six weeks. Yeah, right? it was a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about that series because I, I mean, it's going it's going back to Dallas, so they have a potential to to close it out at home. But I, I don't I don't want to give my final recap on the <laughs> series. Quite yet, because I, I honestly, I, I think Nashville's going to win that game in Force Game Seven. Mm -hmm. So I want to um, see who's going to be uh, revving up the crowd in Game Seven if they bring it back. Yesterday was Daryl Waltrip. They watch him, yeah. boogity boogity. <laughs> and of course, NBC didn't hit the coverage right on time, so we don't know if we if he said anything. Yeah. He did. He did have a microphone. I, I'd be surprised if he didn't say boogity boogity boogity. Exactly. But uh, we didn't hear it. Um, who do you start in net for Nashville? Man, that that was. That was a rough game. I, I think I'd go back with Rene. I would too. Rene. Pecarene. Pecarene. I think I'd go back with him because, like a lot of goalies do, after a, a bit of a thumping, they drill in a little deeper and uh, find some stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'd go back with him. Although Saros has earned a chance, but... Uh, Pe like he's, Rene's so inconsistent. Yeah. And they just keep going back to him and back to him years after years in the playoffs. and. It, yeah. I don't know. Like that I, Dickinson goal, that slap shot with no screen. Yeah, that was That weak. was a bad giveaway by Nashville. I know that. Was that weak. But still, you, like, that's a save. you got to make that save. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd put Rene back in, but I'd tell Saros, uh, or Saros, don't go too far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't know. go down the tunnel. <laughs> don't go down the tunnel. Yeah. Pee, pee before the game starts. <laughs> um, the Vegas-San Jose series. Vegas leads... Three to two in that series. Game six is tonight. Oh, uh, this and is, at a decent hour too. At a decent hour, I think it's eight p.m. our time, wow. seven p.m. Eastern. Uh, this is going to be a very, very tough game for for San Jose. Not only because it's a must-win game, but because they're playing in uh, Vegas, and that arena is very hard to win in as an opposing team. And the crowd is just electric. It's an amazing experience. I'm so happy that I'm. I can say that I I did experience it last year in the playoffs, and I know what. The San Jose Sharks are in for, and they know too. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. It's, it's gonna be tough. But you, you know, if if Vegas plays the same way that they played the last game, 
This is going seven. Mm. And back to San Jose. I still don't think San Jose is going to win. I fully predict Vegas to win this game tonight, and I really do believe that they will win. The odds makers are picking Vegas today. I, I, I'm so certain that Vegas is going to win this game that I'd almost bet money on it. Mm-hmm. But I, there's, San Jose is so inconsistent, it drives me crazy. Like, when they're bad, they're so bad. But when they're good, they're <laughs> so good. And you don't know what San Jose Sharks team you're going to get. And that's the frustrating part. Like, San Jose, San Jose could walk in here and win 6 nothing, And it wouldn't surprise me that, that, that they won 6 nothing, but they could also lose 6 nothing, And that wouldn't surprise me either. So, uh, Eric Carlson... You need to leave the San Jose Sharks. Get off my second favorite team. That was, uh, he, he's had a rough go. And, and he contributes offensively so well. So despite all of his defensive liabilities, and they are significant, he's only a minus a few. Don't care. Off my team. It's it's egregious what it, he's doing is, to the San Jose Sharks. It is terrible. Do you think he's hurt maybe? No. <laughs> you just think he's. No, I just think he shouldn't be a defenseman. He should be a forward. He's not. He can't play defense. Why is he a defenseman then? I don't know. I know back in the day, minor hockey day, the defenseman was the kid who could skate backwards. <laughs> Basically, that's where you started. Oh, he can skate backwards good. We'll make him a defenseman. Hmm. That's really where it starts. I don't know. Maybe he's been stuck in that rut. I don't think so. Uh, it's a I good thing know. you're not a scout. <laughs> it's a very good thing I'm not a scout. Uh no, I, I don't. I, I don't know what's going on, but anyway. Uh, any, do you think Vegas is going to win? What's your prediction? I do. I think Vegas is going to win, and I think it's going to be decisive. I think so, too. I think that the crowd will be that seventh man. Yeah. And, uh, Flurry will be good. Flurry will stand on his head. He'll have to make some big saves. He'll have to make some dandies. But I think uh, San Jose is vulnerable here. They're on the road. Even though they're the, the dominant team and the standings and all that, they're on the road. And, and they're, they're on their knees right mm-hmm. now. Having lost that third the third loss and now they're facing elimination they'll be tough to play against but they're going to lose i'm surprised that san jose started jones in that last game Mm -hmm. and he played very well he did and that totally totally took me off guard and i i feel like i owe jones an apology because i've been super critical of him in this series but i likely won't owe him an apology after tonight because i think he's (laughs) he's going to show his true colors again I hope, I hope he proves me wrong. Yeah, that's right. And that's one thing where you can make a prediction, but that actually goes against the team you're cheering for, and then you're happy either way. Either I, you're a hockey genius or your team. Don't get me wrong. I'm cheering for San Jose in this game tonight. I hope they win and the series. No offense, <coughs> Vegas, but uh, yeah. That's all I have to say for all of the series. Do you have anything else to add? Not about the series specifically, but I have some just general comments on, on the broadcasts. But uh, no, I'm good for... Okay. If you have other things you want to talk about. I just want to get through some stuff real quick. Yeah. And then we can jump to what you have. Do it. Um, a lot of people have been commenting and saying that they like the thumbnails and the recent videos. I, I really appreciate that. I've been putting a lot of time and effort into into um, this, the past three elimination thumbnails. Not so much in the Tampa Bay one, but the Pittsburgh one I put in a lot of time in and try to think of what kind of clever thing I could do. And um, the Islanders mascot is a dragon, so I thought I'd find a picture of Bars all with his mouth open and then have fire coming out of it. And, then, and with Game of Thrones starting back up last Sunday, there you go. Uh, you get a lot of dragon love. So. <laughs> Hashtag dragon love. Um, yeah, so I, I had fun with that one, and people seemed to like it. And then I did the uh, the Colorado uh, Calgary one, where the Colorado f- was kind of dosing the, the flames and stuff. And people seemed to like that as well, so I appreciate that. 
Uh, and I got another one coming out. You guys oh, it's gorgeous. haven't seen it yet. It's, it's a beauty. St. Louis uh, Blues and Eliminates Winnipeg Jets um, thumbnail. Uh, you'll see that tomorrow probably, but it's, it's already made. And um, Chris let me use his photo. Chris has a specific photo. That he has a jet and some fire in the background. And uh, he was nice enough to allow me to use that. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And I'll be giving him a shout out in the video as well. But uh, yeah, it's... It's a lot of fun making these thumbnails. I, I like to put the extra effort into to big videos and important videos, and people really like it. So I, I, I appreciate you guys uh, with the positive feedback, and yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Cool. Good for you. Well done. Do you know why I'm wearing this jersey and this hat? Steve Eiserman. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Good. I didn't know it was going to be that easy. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. No. Uh, Eiserman named, I almost said Captain <laughs> <laughs> named GM could probably be a good one probably could yeah. uh, named GM of the Red Wings this is something that we predicted back months ago six months ago yeah he had a premature disconnection yeah. from uh, but Tampa we were like what's going on I wasn't trying to talk us up there literally everyone else made the same prediction Every, yeah. everyone, everyone knew that he was going back to, to um, Detroit yeah, I, th- I believe his family still lives there yeah I, I don't think, think they ever left Part of the reason why he wanted separation from Tampa is because of the traveling back and forth between Detroit and, and Tampa. So he's home, and uh, this is fantastic news for Detroit. They've got a, uh, a young team, a young and up-and-coming up team. He'll help get the cap situation sorted out. He'll help yeah. bring in some new um, young talent. Uh, this team is going to be the old Detroit in no time. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty exciting. It is exciting, and kudos to him as well for... Even though he disconnected from the Red Wings, he didn't announce for any or from the Lightning. He didn't announce for anybody else until the Lightning were were eliminated. Yeah, he yeah. didn't do anything that was going to upset any exactly alignment of those planets. So good for him to wait it out. Much respect, and good and good for Detroit too to let him have that chance to wait it out. Until yep. this is, shows good respect for uh, for their hockey brethren. Yeah. So that was a nicely done, classy. And good for him for taking on the challenge of Detroit. It's not going to be an easy job. No. They've got, obviously, some cap issues and stuff. So good on him for looking that, that challenge in the face and accepting it. You know where I first learned of this move? Facebook. Facebook? Why on Facebook? Because way back in the early 2000s, we're going back to the the Olympics, maybe in Salt Lake City. Think of What year? Was it 2000 or 2000? I think it was 2002. 2002, I think you're right. Um, I was still teaching at the time in Fredericton before we ever came over here or even had a a thought of it. And one of the students in my class, her name was Tammy, and she was an absolute diehard Iserman fan. Not so much a Red Wings fan, but it was all about Iserman. And he was playing for Team Canada at the time Mm -hmm. and factored into the Olympic uh, effort very well. And Canada won gold that year. They did? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Remember the magic loony or under the yeah, ice yeah. and all that? Anyway, I, I'll never forget Tammy's just absolute delight with Stevie Eiserman doing so well. Long after she graduated from where I was teaching, she and her husband moved to London, Ontario. And they have a lovely family, and they still live there. They're both uh, mm-hmm. very successful and working. And she's never lost her attachment to Steve Eiserman. And the minute this thing was announced, her Facebook just blew up. Stevie Eiserman going to the Detroit. Welcome home, she said. Mm-hmm. Now, home, I thought, well, that's 
funny, but really, when you're in southern Ontario, southwestern Ontario in particular, and you're only an hour and a half drive at the most. She should live in Windsor. From the uh, Little Caesars Arena. That is a home. And, yeah, she, well, Windsor's not far away. Just down down the four-lane highway, and you're in Windsor. Yeah, so. but Windsor's just across, like, Windsor's basically Detroit. Yeah, but you work where you're, you're like, you live where know, your job I is. I know. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> you should live in Windsor. <laughs> I live in Windsor. Yeah. Windsor's, uh, I, actually, that's one place I've never been to. I've been never to. been to Windsor, never been to Detroit. I have all been around in, it. I have been in Detroit. Does landing in a plane at the airport count as being in Detroit? It, was it Metro Wayne or was it... Uh, I don't know, it was the big one. DET or, or uh, DTW? <laughs> Whatever the biggest one was. I think they both count. That, so that, that counts as being in Detroit? Oh, I think so. Okay, then I've been in Detroit. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, she was just... she's And she's over the moon because he's coming back to the Detroit Red Wings, which I think is became her team when he was there. And uh, so, yeah, Tammy's happy. Nice. Good for you, Tammy. Um, the LA Kings have announced... Todd McClellan is their new coach. The biggest kept secret in hockey. Yeah. So, um, pretty big news for, for L.A. Uh, I like this move. I really like Todd McClellan in San Jose. I was disappointed when he got fired. And then he had some time in Edmonton. Oh, was he? Was he there? And he actually <clears throat> took them to the playoffs, which is nice. Yep. Um, but that his tenure there did not last very long. And now he's in L.A., I think this is great news for L.A. I really think he fits in well with that group. Um, interesting to see a coach go to um, a rival of his previous team. The next thing I want to talk about is the same situation, Alain Vigneault going mm-hmm. to Philadelphia yeah. from his uh, uh, the Rangers, who was in, in the same division, in the same basically zone of, of cities there. I I don't think you see that that often, but I guess the more I think about it, you do because Claude Julien went from Boston to Montreal. But there was a gap. Yeah. Uh, it, was a bit, it wasn't a straight shot. Julien was fired. Then he dangled for a while and Montreal brought him in. Yeah, but he was, it wasn't that long. No, it wasn't long. It was a couple of months maybe. Yeah. 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 We were in Toronto when that was announced. I, I remember exactly where we were. Oh, where were we? I don't know the building, but we were inside the building down in the food court. Okay. Sitting. Basically I, underneath the Hockey Hall of Fame almost. Right? Yeah, really yeah. close to it. We were sitting at a table and we were just about to eat. Harvey's. Whatever. Harvey's. And you went to the bathroom. Yeah. And I'm on my phone. I'm like, holy crap. Montreal Canadiens. I remember that. Just signed. Cool, Julian. And then you came back to the table. I'm like, guess what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was a good day. That was the day we bought the tickets for the game the following night when the Leafs played the Islanders. Yes. And... Leafs won seven one. Yeah. Matthews got two goals. Tavares was invisible. <laughs> we'll see if that same thing happens today. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think this is good news for both the Kings and uh, Flyers. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the Flyers. I think they need that big presence coach on that team for for a lot of reasons. It's a team that it's a team that has, uh, I would say, commanding presence in the past forty years, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think Vigneault has that mentality and that presence about him as well. So yeah. It's good that he shares the same team mantra, I guess. And so I think it's, I think this is good news for both teams, L.A. And, and the Flyers, and I'm excited to see how next season progresses for both of these teams. Right on. Very good. The Guelph Storm completed the reverse sweep. With Nick Suzuki. Heck yeah. That is his team. Yeah? Yeah. So now they move on to the next round, which is which is awesome. I am not haven't followed it beyond that point, but <laughs> um, super happy for the Guelph Storm, which is awesome. So. That, yeah, that's incredible. That's all I got. Yeah. 
That's all you got for, the whole, got? for yeah. the whole show? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to come back to uh, just a couple of my annoyances, the things that are driving me a little crazy. And uh, one, uh, number one is the, the word number. Okay. Period number one. I know what this is about. And next week it's uh, game number six and game number seven. The very fact you're using six and seven already includes the understanding that they are numbers. Mm-hmm. You don't need to say number five, number six, number seven. That would be like me saying to you, first name Neil, or sky color blue, <laughs> or animal cat, or vehicle car. Yeah. Um, wh- why these commentators have now adopted this number. It's weird. Number one's a little different because number one is actually a phrase. Yeah, yes. look out for number one. So the the word one isn't always a number. Period the, number two. But yeah. Period but, number three. But the number two, number three, number four, no. Just say period one. Period two. If you're in the movies. Game four. Uh, if if you're at a game and you're talking on the phone to someone and you're trying they're trying to find you, you're not gonna say, I'm in row number three. You're gonna say, I'm in the third row. Third row or row three. You don't need to say number three. Announcers. It doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys you, but I... Are you getting paid by the word? I agree. In which case, you're rich. <laughs> uh, that drives me crazy. What else? What else do you want to rant about? Uh, I want to rant about a couple of things. The stupid sponsorships. Stupid sponsorships. Now, I know what sponsorships are for, and I know how they work, and sponsorships make the world go around whether it's SeatGeek or whatever it might be, sponsorships can be a good thing. If they add to the content or they help the broadcast in some way, they help enhance the listener or the viewer experience. But when the last five minutes of the game are brought to you by a mortgage company, (laughs) guess what? They're not. They're not brought to me by the mortgage company. They're brought to me by the 10 players Skaters on the ice and the two goalies. That's who's bringing it to me. Maybe the network. And just because there's a little panel up in the corner with the mortgage company's <laughs> name on it, that's actually not enhancing my viewer experience. It's if not. anything, it's pissing me off. But those five minutes are made possible by that company. No, they're didn't not. You, didn't you know that? No, they're not. <laughs> if the company, if the company's check bounced, is the NHL going to say at the 55-minute mark, sorry, Rocket Mortgage backed out. Uh, the next five minutes have been canceled due to lack of sponsorship. Yeah, but then so Ford will come stu- in for the Ford Final Five. <laughs> have you heard that one? In oh, yeah. Days? The Ford Final Five, the Rocket Mortgage Final Five. It drives me crazy. Sometimes or, sometimes we're lucky enough to get Power Plays sponsored yeah, as well. This Power Play is sponsored by. Like, <laughs> Why it, would you want to sponsor something that, that was negative? 50, yeah. 50% negative. Well, 50%, depending who's watching, right? Yeah. Now, if it's a high-sticking penalty... The power play could be sponsored by Band-Aid. That would make sense. It would make sense. Right? Because it would add some value back into whatever caused the penalty. Or sponsored by Sherwood Hockey Sticks, because we make the best hockey stick. Yeah. I don't know. But to sponsor things like that just drives me crazy. You know, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that you've seen this. And if you haven't, I have something beautiful to show you. Have you seen Pasternak get a penalty and they play that little video clip when he's gets the penalty, he's going to the box, and then the whistle starts. There's that 30-second thing, and they show the 
they show the the game in one little box, and then they show a little commercial in the other one, and then you get the audio from the commercial. Mm-hmm. I have seen that. Past they the Boston some of the Boston players have filmed commercials about themselves getting penalties. So one of them I think is Pastner going into Dunkin' Donuts, and he's talking to the person at the at the cashier or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, they gave me penalties, so I'm just here to get some donuts or whatever." It's awesome. That, it's so good. I've, I've not paid attention, but that's hilarious. Okay, I, that's I hilarious because I need to show you because it's awesome. <laughs> that is great. And so, so that it's not just on the jumbotron; that's on the TV. Broadcast. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, that's it's hilarious. Specifically for the, the it's. I love that. It's awesome. That is great. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so mad props to the Boston Bruins for that. That's very smart. And that's it. I think I would assume. And commercials can be smart and funny and connected. Yes. So and let's, why not? It's such a good example of how to make a commercial the proper way. Yeah. So. But any more toenail fungus commercials <laughs> on hockey? I don't know if Americans get, get these commercials. I, well, I hope so. I hope it's not only a Canadian disease. I don't even know how prevalent toenail fungus is out there, folks. But just looking at the commercial, <laughs> I want to projectile vomit. I, I want to spew. Talk about the one where they lift the nail. There's one a couple of years back where they lifted some cartoon character, lifted the toenail of some guy, like the hood of a car, and the fungus creatures were all inside. I just about lost my lunch right there. <laughs> There's nothing. At feet, first off, feet are gross. All, all feet are gross. I agree. Secondly, feet with foreign objects growing in them or around them is just it should never be on television. Why does that need to be on TV? Why does it need to be and on why TV? does it need to be that visual? Like... If you have a problem with your feet, go to the doctor. Go to the doctor and, and get something. Get them cut off. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah. But that... Oh. It's gross. I agree. <laughs> it's gross. It does not need to be a commercial. And why in a hockey game? Yeah. <laughs> what is it about hockey games? Oh. Athlete's foot. The final thing. Yeah. Stupid stats. Stupid stats. This isn't new. We've talked about this before. What specific stupid stat are you complaining about? During game five, uh, Toronto-Boston, mm-hmm. the stat read out on the air was, lifetime in the history of the entire team, Toronto is 7-2 and two in game fives against Boston. So that includes stats going right back to... Um, the 20s? Probably. I don't know when seven game series started, but probably oh, yeah. eons ago. Yeah, I think it was like the 80s or something like oh, that. Oh, maybe so. even more than that. But it, it, <laughs> Toronto is seven and two in, five, in, in game fives against Boston in the history of both teams. A stat, <laughs> in order to be interesting, a stat has to be relevant to today. It's like if they played those nine series back to back to back today, that stat would be relevant. But the fact that a series happened in, we'll say, the 70s, when you don't even know the lineup, like, who was the, who was the good team back then? Who was the bad team? Oh, maybe game five was, like, maybe they won four, they won the series 4-1, and they, everyone knew they were going to win that game. Maybe it was 2-2, and, and now it's 3-2, like the, the, this, like the game that just happened. Like, you're right, that stat means nothing. It's, uh, they, they did a similar stat for the Colorado Calgary series, where Colorado had a certain record, lifetime, including the Nordiques. I disagree with that. Lifetime uh, against other teams in certain games. You shouldn't be able, like, allowed to include the previous locations team. 
And guess what? Uh, it's only going to get worse because now that NHL has made this deal with the devil in, in Las Vegas for all these weirdo stats, there will be numbers coming out of announcers' mouths that you'd never would have dreamed of. I'm going to. It's going to be awful. Once we have access to this information, I'm going to every single podcast. I'm going to make the most ridiculous stat to you. I'm going to read it out loud. It's going to be hilarious just for your entertainment. And as as ridiculous as it will be. It won't necessarily be the most ridiculous one that week. That's true. Because that'll be available on our televisions. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks for joining me for this podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for watching or listening, regardless of how you consume our content. We really appreciate that. Hope you're having fun watching lots of hockey. Um, if you haven't seen our series recap videos, hope you can go check those out. And um, please subscribe down below if you're not subscribed already. And we'll see you in the next podcast, number 73, coming at you next Sunday. Adios. <laughs>